Hi, this is uh, Jay Harwood's delayed edition of Amazing Mental Unlike Podcast. And my friend of uh, almost 40 years, more than 40 years, it's kind of scary to say, Daryl Strawberry. So, I think we've known each other for 40 years. 40 years. Yeah, 40 good years, Jay. So, yeah. it's, it's been a good run for us, and we, we're still here. Yeah, we, I, I remember the first time we met, you were, you know, 18 or so, coming out of Crenshaw. I was a young kid coming out of college in 1980. I think we met the first time in Dodger Stadium, wasn't it? After, you know, I think you came up with your mom, maybe, after, after we had drafted you. That was what, a long time ago, huh? Yeah, I came with my family to Dodger Stadium. I was number one pick, and I do remember that. And Joe Torrey was the manager at the time, I believe. Joe Torrey, Joe Torrey was my first manager. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he went out to bigger and better things after he left the match, I'll tell you that. You yeah. you up with him later on. Yeah, definitely ask you, you're coming out with a book in, in January, turning your season around. Did you ever, you know, ever say you would write and be a part of a, ba- a book that really has really nothing to do with baseball? Correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's really not a baseball book, right? No, it's not a baseball book. It's a book about faith. And I, I really never thought that I would be in the place that I am today. And man, I am today. I'm grateful for who I am. But when I look back over it, you know, I looked at, you know, a guy like Gary Carter, who was very faithful and, you know, walked his faith when we were playing. And a guy like Mookie Wilson, who lived in faith. And those are the people that you admire more than anything because you wonder why they were so different. And, you know, me um, playing with those guys and just looking at their life and realizing that they were different, it was because of their faith. And, and I end up, you know, becoming uh, a new man after many years after trials and tribulations in my life and successful playing baseball, I would come to a place of um, uh, being a, a preacher of the gospel, you know, evangelist and traveling the country 250 times out of the year, um, helping people. Yeah, Darrell, what's the main message of the book? Is there one or two main points you want to let the people know what the book is about? Well, the book is really about how God transforms your life, you know, how he transformed my life from, you know, who I was in the natural into the supernatural kind of person and to be able to do what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm not qualified to be, you know, a preacher uh, to stand in a pulpit and, and preach in front of thousands of people, which I do. Uh, but God qualifies the call, you know, after you transform your life, after you go through uh, some real long, hard seasons with him, you know, and I think a lot of people don't realize uh, what really happened you know, to me. It, it, it was a seven year of sitting and growing uh, just like I was in baseball being, a young player and had to develop. It was the same way in my faith. And, you know, the main point um, in this book is, is to help people understand that uh, a relationship with God is he never forgets about you. You know, people may forget about you, but he never forgets about you. Yeah. I know for the last 10, probably decade more, you and your wife, Tracy, have been traveling ministers. How did you get into that? I mean, I know you have a church in St. Louis, you have a church in Orlando. How did you get into being a traveling minister? Well, actually, we just we got involved in ministry uh, for the last uh, 17 years, 18 years, you know, so we had been in ministry together and we just started growing in a different way. And and then, you know, we felt the call, you know, to be uh, far greater than we could ever imagine. And, and my wife has been pastors at every church, local church that we uh, went, kind of went to and lived in the city, you know, like St. Louis, Orlando, she's been a local pastor. And I've been more of a traveling pastor uh, that I go to a lot of large events and, you know, preach in front of, you know, you know, five to 10,000 people. And, and 
you know, we got into it because we felt the call of God in our life. And we just felt like, you know, as a couple, uh, it was, it was a time for us to be able to do it, to help so many people, um, and encourage people, I think more than anything to, uh, that, that faith is real and that you can live a different life. And, and it's, it's a, you know, it's a real decision that you have to make, you know, it's not, one of those overnight decisions. It's a process and we let people know that, you know, so many people in our society are like so broken and so hurting and, you know, they need someone who has, you know, been somewhere that be able to tell them that, you know, their life could be different. And me and my wife, we really enjoy doing that a lot. I remember on the, the 40th anniversary of the, uh, the Mets team, I actually interviewed you, and, but you really found the will and the fortitude to, you know, to really battle back where you know, other people might not have battled back. You know, I mean, you talk about you know the kind of the, the years where the years where you struggled, and you know, but you you found a way to to, to get back. Oh yeah, I mean, str- struggles are really a part of life, you know, because we all, you know, we all fall short. You know, we all sinners, so we're going to fall short in this lifetime, and you know, it just becomes you, to who you become, you know, like I said, Carter and Wilson, they were prime examples to all of us on that ball club, you know, that you can live a different life, you know, and, and he lived it in faith, you know, and that was an example. And I saw that. And like I said before, I, I really admired that and I wanted that. And it, it takes work to get to that place. No matter what kind of struggles you have had, you can overcome your struggles. Um, if you just trust God and walk and have some faith and believe and, and kind of walk it out. And that's what my life has been. My life has been totally different from, you know, the baseball years, the struggles and to the man I am today. And the platform that I have today is, is far greater than any baseball platform I've had or anything that I ever else achieved, even the struggles, you know, the, uh, the platform of doing what I'm doing today is being an overcomer you know, by the blood of the lamb because of, uh, uh, because of believing and, and following the principles. And, it, you know, it's just about changing your, your mindset more than anything. And I, I think that's what happened to me. I, I just kind of changed everything about who I was and went in a different direction. There was a point in, in your struggles that you sort of given up. I mean, not like a better word. You thought, Hey, how am I going to get out of this hole? I mean, was the one really low point when you think back? It was a lot of low points, Jay, and you know a lot of low points when I was in the midst of my addiction prison, uh, when I had cancer twice and lost my left kidney, uh, the drug addiction, like I said before. But you know, one thing I do remember is my mother raised me right, and and, and I think that's really what brought me all the way back to uh, becoming right because she she didn't raise me to be the heathen I was and the womanizer and the alcoholic and drug addict I was. She raised me as the right person, and I remember her principles. And I remember her praying for me, and I think that really brought me back. And, and then my wife, Tracy, who came into my life when everybody else said, uh, he'll be dead, he's nothing. You know, she comes, God sends her into my life, and she helps me, and she helps me get back, and she helps me get back into my faith, and she helps me become the man that God created me to be. And that's why we live such a great, abundant life together, and that's why we do ministry together, and we love people. Uh, it's because of a couple that comes together and worships together, stays together. It just so, so people should know, you know, you you haven't, you know, you really you're talking the walk. I mean, you've been sober now for 20 years, so this is not something that it's a something happened a year. You've been doing this for a long period of time. Knock on wood, you stayed away from the from the drinking for 20 years, and 
it's really like something to be proud of, like you said, how you've gone in a different direction with a lot of people's help. Yeah, I mean, it's over 18 years now, not 20 years. My wife's over 21 years um, in recovery, and I'm over 18 years of, of not being around that lifestyle and, and, and being involved in it. I just kind of moved in a totally different direction and separated myself you know, from that. Uh, I think so many people stay in that place because they can never take take the uniform off. I was able to take the uniform off. You know, I, yeah, I played for the Mets, Dodgers, Yankees, and Giants, but if guys never take the uniform off, you're still the same person. And I wanted to be a different person, so I took the baseball uniform off and kind of hung that up. And I, I became this new person, and you know, I identified myself in Christ, not in baseball. And I identified myself in my faith, and I identified myself to dedicate. Uh, myself to helping others. So you have to be able to have something to go forward. And I think a lot of guys never have anything to go forward. I just realized that I want to go forward. Darryl, is it hard to do, you know, with all your success as a player, it's been hard the last couple of years to divorce yourself from baseball. I mean, not to sit on TV, watch a game, or go to games. Is, is that been hard to, to separate yourself from that? No, it really hasn't. It hasn't really been hard. Ever since I got into ministry, you know, I just became a different person. I mean, I, I, I will always love the game of baseball. I will always love the match, and hopefully they can, you know, get it together, you know, with the direction they headed in with a new ownership and stuff like that. Uh, it's about time for them to, you know, have some fun. So, because we had fun, I will always remember the fun days of, of baseball. You know, I will always be a baseball player, but at the same time, I separated myself and I became uh, a man of faith and a man of uh, on a mission uh, to really uh, help souls. I I just feel like that I was called like Billy Graham was. If a lot of people don't know who Billy Graham is. He's an evangelist that you know preached the gospel all over the place, and he was probably the greatest winners of souls. And I just see myself as that person uh, today, you know, that I've been called for this mission and uh, to travel and to go to different places, different churches and, and help people and minister to them and win souls. Like Darryl, like you mentioned, you're on the road, you know, over 200 days a year. I, you know, it picked up since the, you've been able to travel after the pandemic is eased up a little bit. You speak, one of your main things you speak on is the evil of opioids. I mean, you speak to kids and you just tell them really basically, don't do what I did. I mean, is that part of your message? I go into schools, you know, I go into a lot of schools for free and try to uh, educate the kids on the danger of vaping drugs. Don't ever start on it because it's hard to get out of this cycle. And I just really feel like kids today are very vulnerable to all these different things to try everything. Uh, for, for whatever reasons, I've seen so many of them at a young age from, you know, 19 to 25, and then they're all losing their life. I didn't lose my life to addiction. I, you know, I, I got clean and, and was able to move forward and, and able to give back. But some of the youth today are not making it past that age uh, because they get so addicted to it and they don't understand how powerful it is. They don't understand how controlling it is. It controls their entire life and it separates them from themselves and leaves them broken. And when they get to the place they're so far broken, you know, they end up dying, most of them today. So, you know, my heart and passion is for uh, young people uh, to try to lead them to, you know, some real biblical principles so they, they can find who they are and have a foundation for themselves so they can not get into the darkness of using yeah. drugs. Dara, how, you know, when we, we were together, you were a great interview. The writers always liked to talk to you because you always spoke your mind. You were honest. But how did you get to the point where you were able to, you know, I, I know they have training for How did you get to the point where you were able to get up in front of a church and speak to, you know, like thousands of people travel around the country? I mean, 
I mean, how did you prepare yourself to do that? Was you self-taught or did you model yourself after anybody? No, I mean, it was a lot of time, spending a lot of time, you know, with God in the word and um, meditating on the word and, and kind of saturating myself in it. And it just developed inside of me. And I just started just being able to do a supernatural, you know, being able to stand on the platform and, you know, convey to the, to the people what, what I study. And, and I think it's, it's something that I learned over a period of time and, and still learning. And I'm, I'm, you know, I've gotten better at it. There's no fear because I, I'm not really doing the talking. The talking is just coming through me, you know, from, from the spirit of God, you know, and I, I just allow myself to be free inside to be able to do the work that he's called me to do at this point. Does it, does it help you to think when you go travel around the country that even though you played, you know, in the, before the turn of year in the nineties, that people know who you are. They know what, what you, you know, you did have a great career and, you, and probably everybody in Utah, Montana, or Georgia, you know, Dallas, Florida, do you <laughs> help you a little bit? Why? No, no question about it. The platform of playing major league baseball and playing in New York and my career with the, you know, match, you know, uh, the start of my career, uh, it, it's probably the most significant part of who I am, uh, because that's, w that's who I was at that time at the age of 21 and, and all those years and going and, and, and playing major league baseball all those years and, and accomplishing all the things that I did. But at, at also at the same time, that was, you know, like I said, that was a great setup for the platform that I have today because the platform I have today is it's far greater, you know, it's no comparison to not trying to compare them, but it's no comparison to, you know, what I'm doing today and compared to what I was doing when I was an athlete, you know, playing baseball. Yeah, okay. Bring it back to baseball. Second, you mentioned our new owner, uh, Steve Cohn. Yeah, he was a, a gigantic Mets fan. He once he came to the polo grounds, he, one of his favorite memories is the Mookie Wilson go through Buckner's legs. Uh, one of the things you want to, to get going in the near future is an old timers day game. You think uh, to try and you know bring some of the guys back. What do you think about getting the uniform one time in it? Your schedule in the near future. Well, I'm really excited about this new owner, um, Steve Steve Corn, and um, all that he brings to New York and all he brings for the Mets fans. Um, it should be for a very long time, you know, like it was in the '80s where we were consistently winning and we were always in the battle. Uh, for getting into the playoffs. Yeah, of course, we should have won more. There's no question. But if they had wild, the wild card, we would have been in every year. So it would have been a whole different thing. So, yeah, uh, it, the history of bringing back what the history of players is is, is, is so important. You know, it, it would be exciting to see that happen and exciting to see the fans be able to be excited about the history of the Mets. You know, Darryl, in conclusion, I've been with the Mets here 40 years, been here a long time, and I've seen players come up, and I don't remember any player coming up with more pressure than you did. Number one pick, Bob Ted Williams on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And when you joined the Mets in 83, it was before Keith and, you know, and all the guys started joining him. You, you know, you, you really just, you know, you did great. You, you know, your life turned around your life and helping people all around the country. So you got to be proud of where you, where you, where things turned out for you. Well, I just think my mother is probably looking down and she's proud of me. And, and that's, what's important to me. I, you know, I, I know she, she raised me right. Like I said before, and, and I just saw that I, I didn't listen to her. I wish I would have listened to her. We all say that, but I, I, I'm just happy that she get a chance and opportunity to see me turn my life around and become everything that she wished that I would become. Well, 
down to the book. Turn your season around comes out in January. Well, baseball fans and Mets fans can get a pick up and, you know, a different side of Dallas Florida you might not know. And, Dallas, I just appreciate your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll be speaking soon. Be safe and good luck. All right, Jay, I appreciate it. January 12th, turn yes. your season's coming out. Okay. You can go to Amazon.com. Right. Look forward. Look forward to it.